Hey there, missionaries. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bad Triple. Just want to let you know that at the start of the show, actually for the first three minutes of the show, there was a very noticeable reverb on the audio. And because of that, I had to do some doctoring up of that audio to make it listenable for everyone. But upon reflection and listening back to what was said for those three minutes, uh, instead of having you listen to what really is some very crappy and off-putting um, sound in the beginning, I just decided to delete that and start to show where the audio is actually corrected. So what you miss in those first three minutes is actually not much. You miss me and Vincent coming in, um, welcoming everyone to the show in our usual manner, saying Happy New Year and wishing a very safe and Happy New Year to each and every one of you out there who watches our show on Facebook and on YouTube as we stream live via StreamYard. And we quickly got into a conversation, Vince noticing that we are, are rapidly coming upon some of the notable years of pop culture, such as 2015, which was referenced in the movie uh, Back to the Future. And this year, 2022, which is the year that is referenced in the Charlton Heston film, Soylent Green, which is also um, based on a book. That is the crux of what the first three minutes of the show were about. And when the audio comes in, it is actually Vince still talking about Soylent Green and talking about his admiration for this Charlton Heston film. After that, the audio is great. So hope you'll enjoy this episode of the Me Show Mission as we continue on the road to 300 with our review of Juice from 1992. The Charlton Heston science fiction mm -hmm. tells you everything you need to know about the anxiety that middle-class white America was going through in the 70s. Got you. And Soylent Green really is about... The, the corruption of institutions that we should be able to trust uh their their the 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 fear of 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 a lack of morality mm -hmm. because there is no church there is no there there is no um places of worship that people go to always the fear of feminism and what that's going to lead to so it's actually a lot of interesting things in Soylent Green now, it's a little slow. It's a slog of a movie. It's it's a slog of a movie, but but it's it's an interesting movie. Okay. Yeah, I love Soylent Green. Well, very. I good. love Soylent Green of, of of the the Charlton Heston science fiction films. It is maybe the least watchable. Planet yes. of the Apes, of course, would be the best. Yes. Omega Man is a lot of fun. Omega Man is fun, and then Soylent Green. Isn't he, isn't Charlton Heston also in the one with, maybe it's not him. Who's in the movie with O.J. Simpson where they fake? Like, oh, Capricorn, Capricorn, Capricorn 1. 1. 
That is a good question. I don't know who's in it with OJ. I think Elliot Gould is the is the reporter. I think, and I may, I may be, that's the name I'm pulling. That is a good question. I can't remember who else is in Capricorn 1 with well, now OJ. Now I've got to look up Capricorn 1, because this is what we do here on this Right, 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 right. James Brolin. That's James one. Brolin. James that, Brolin, okay. OJ Simpson, and Sam Waterson. They are the, okay. ast- the astronauts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, before we get too deep into the show, um, I feel that I mean we've talked about seventy science fiction, so we're off and running. We're off and running. But <laughs> and while we are in your favorite year of the seventies, I feel it's only fair, even though the the world has been, you know, uh giving much do mm-hmm. flowers absolutely to the passing of uh betty white yes over the past few days as well as in the realm of sports john madden yes but here on the michelle mission uh we also lost a favorite here yeah and that would be one max julia yeah, we did who passed away at the age of 88 yeah uh, so uh i'm you know I'm sure he wanted to see 89. Sure. But sure. Uh, but certainly a long and and and, and fruitful life. And um, as a devotee of everything 70s, I'm yeah. sure you want to share a few words about Max Julian. I mean, the great thing about he he was definitely a singular presence. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about him several times. Yeah. Yeah. On on this show, not only about Max Julian as an actor, he was in the Black Klansman. Remember, he has that moment in the Black Klansman. He's in um Thomasina and Bushrod. Right. And he was also in Uptight. Yes. Remember, he was in Uptight. Mm-hmm. The irony is that what he's best known for as a performer, we've never talked about. No, we haven't. We haven't reviewed it. Which yet. would be the Mac. Yeah. But we also have have talked about him as a writer. Mm-hmm. He wrote Cleopatra Jones. Yep. And he wrote Bushrod and Thomasina. Yep. So it's it's just a real it's you know it's a, it's a loss. It is a loss. It's a loss and, and you know since we're talking about losses I don't think we mentioned bell hooks on here. Oh that's right. You know yeah. nor did we mention Nelson No, I'm sorry, Greg Tate. Greg Tate. Yes. You know two of my heroes. Mm-hmm. You know two of my you know two people that I just sort of have read. Mm-hmm. And talk. so it's it's yeah it's a shame. It is a it's shame. It's a shame and of course Betty Wright and John Madden are losses. Most definitely. But as you said, that's yeah. been covered a lot of different places. So yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame. Yeah. Let us go to the emails. The emails. The first missives of 2022. And we have one from Shanta Williams. Hey, Shanta. In regards to our review of This Christmas. Okay. This Christmas is almost like watching one of those Hallmark movies. So I agree. So I agree with your take on it trying to be a soul food dupe. However, oh. with some tweaks, it could be I picture this. Okay. Switch Regina and Sharon's characters. Get rid of Lauren London's boyfriend and make her the back home from college sister with what it's like being on her own and dating out there, helping out now Regina's role on dating and finding a man. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Sharon can keep her role, keep the baby oil scene because it's a flip from cutting the meat to whooping behind, get rid of Idris' debt trouble and make him the father figure of the family, which is why Loretta is afraid to let him know about her and Joe. Okay. Okay. Let Columbus bring the white girl home because someone in the family always does. <laughs> and let him hide his military status because he doesn't want to disappoint his family because he's had problems in the past. So I guess in regards to that, he is AOL. Right, right, right. AWOL. AWOL, right. Yes. Uh, let Chris Brown have a secret music thing he does behind the family's back because they think he's going to college and him and Lauren can have some moments talking about it. Hell, maybe she's dropped out and has been using that money to follow a different dream. If we want to keep all the actors, which I like all of them, by the way, we can. What would each of you have changed <laughs> to make it better? Longtime fan. Tay has spoken. <laughs> yes. She wants an entirely different movie. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm not against. I'm not against that I'm not either. against. I have to say, much like we talked about, unfortunately, the main change I would make would be a cut. I don't think Delroy Lindo and Idris Elba need to be anywhere near this. They thing. don't need to be in this movie. Because they, they really do bring an like, energy to it. That is totally totally different right like i'm trying to drink eggnog yes yes i'm not looking not over my shoulder urban straight yeah no 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 see like i'm fine with delroy lindo being in there okay you know because i can see loretta divine's character being attracted yes to delroy lindo and even attracted to the mystery of him because there's a mystery to this man but again i say idris elba <laughs> Is of and I love Regina King, but he is of a different species than everyone else in this movie. <laughs> and I'm gonna push back on Delroy Lindo. And I, you know, we I love both of them. Have I seen funny Delroy Lindo? Because you know who I would actually switch him out know, with. Not really. I'm trying to think of that. Is Danny Glover? Because I think Danny Glover is fun. Can be funny. Yeah, but Danny Glover plays older, like really older. I mean, he doesn't have to. Yeah, Danny, he plays older. He doesn't have to. Delroy can get over because of the shaved head. He can play right, a right, little right, more because right. he probably is up around the same age. Right. But he plays, he can play yeah. younger. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Danny, like, like Danny would, like she's dating Pop Pop. No, 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 no. But to your point, have we seen funny Delroy? I don't think we've seen funny I don't Delroy. Think, yeah. I don't think we've seen the yeah. funny though. To be quite as kept, has Idris been in the comedy? I don't know if we've seen funny Idris Elba. If he's ever been in the comedy, I don't know how much joking these men do. I don't know, like on screen. No, you really. know they seem very personable when you read interviews. With oh them. yeah, Idris Elba sings. He's a cut and a half, but, but like you know, once they say action, I don't know. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, thank you. Uh, well, that's what we would do. Right. Right. Those are the changes that we would make. Uh, we also got an, an email from Terry Plain. Hey, Terry. Good day to be black and sexy. All right. Dear Lennon Vince, on the road to 300, it would be awesome to consider reviewing 
Good Day to Be Black and Sexy. This is a mm. film featuring short stories highlighting highlighting relationships and sexuality in the lives of African-Americans. This was such a refreshing, forward-thinking movie. I was so excited to see an honest reflection of my own discoveries with intimacy and sexual exploration. As a bonus, the soundtrack came straight out of my parents' eight-track and album collection. Vince, you would be well-pleased with the music. My favorite was a segment featuring Patrice Russian. That's all right. Wow. Wow. That's talking about a deep cut. That's all right. Hope to hear this review soon. Terry Plain. That has been on my list, though. A good day to be black and sexy. I feel like I've heard of this film, but yeah. I don't. I'm... Yeah, I remember when it came out, uh, it's like four or five years ago. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, well, Terry, um, that has not made the cut for the road to 300. I'm sorry to say. But I will say this I'm already putting together my post 300 list yeah so it it very likely will show up like not soon after and Uh, that fits very well at least for me because going up to 300 you know i like to pull off pull mm -hmm. down the top shelf stuff Mm -hmm. then after three you know like 300 i mean the the 100 mark the first five or ten movies after that i like to be a little obscure so (laughs) for you how obscure because so does, does that mean 1977? I mean, 1978? you know, you know, you know <laughs> I don't. You, you've got a wheelhouse. I, look, I'll pull <laughs> something out for you. So, um, but just to let people know that we, we have made a slight change to the lineup for the road to 300, which you can find on our website. You okay. go to the Michel mission and be actually scroll down on the homepage. You'll see where it says road to 300. And that'll take you to a page where it lists all the films that we are going to be reviewing from now until episode 300, which is scheduled to uh, hit sometime in May of next year. Mm-hmm. But in March, the last weekend in March, I believe we are or next to last, we will be reviewing now. It has made the road to 300. As Vincent and I will be sitting down with the comedian Daryl Charles and the noted uh, sexology expert, Dr. <laughs> Tim Marie, right. to review Twa. Twa. Which is about an excellent day to be black and sexy. Well, you know, and it's, it seems weird that there will be four of us reviewing it. Maybe I'll just run the mic. Maybe you just run the mic. Let you guys have at it. Yes, but there there you go. Twa will be in before 300. Miss Makiba. Hey, Miss Makiba. How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's saying that Idris Elba is funny in rock and roller. I'm not sure. I I, I haven't seen Idris in rock and roller. George Kamona. Long time no hear from. Hey, George. Said that Idris did turn up Charlie on Netflix. Okay, I'm not familiar with that. He was funny on those couple episodes of The Office. That's and that and, and Aaron Fry said that Idris was also in one season of The Office. Yeah, he was funny. Wow, I've never watched The Office. Well, I mean, you know, no, I've never seen that. Janine says, "Let's get sexy for 2022." Okay, how do we get sexy, Vincent? I don't know. I've been now. I'm afraid to ask what we were in 2021. I know, right? Maybe I, we were schlubby. We were schlubby in 2021. <laughs> 
we'll, we'll do better. We'll do better. We'll, we'll, we'll do better. We're off to a grand start. <laughs> <laughs> and we're off and running. And we are off and running. Vincent, it's time for our favorite game show. Oh, already? It is time for All our right. game show. And what game is that? That is Six Degrees Six of Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Now, All before right. we do that, I want to Woo. address a, right. a request that we got okay. in the latter part of last year. Okay. When the missionaries were screaming at us okay. to come up with some type of merch <laughs> for our Six Degrees of Derville right, Martin. Right, right. That won't get us sued. That won't get us sued. By the estate of Derville Martin. Right. Okay. Now, whether or not it will get us sued, oh I don't boy. know. Oh, boy. However. Oh, boy. Here we go. Next week. Don't get a cease and desist. Next week, we will be debuting <laughs> new Six Degrees of Dervell Martin merch. All right. Okay. All right. So, I don't know if it will get us sued. <laughs> Buy fast. <laughs> So they'll be available for a limited time. <laughs> we'll just we'll just add the letter to the pile. <laughs> Maybe the merch will just be the cease and desist right, just letter. Cease and desist. <laughs> oh boy! All right, all, all right. right. I'm for it. So next week, ladies next and week, buy fast. And if you are a subscriber <laughs> to our newsletter, then you will actually get an early jump on it because our <laughs> The newsletter is going to go out on Sunday, and that's where the uh, the designs are going to be there first. All right. So we'll give subscribers to the newsletter first dibs. First dibs. On the uh, Daryl Martin. All right. And if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, all you have to do is go to the Show Mission website, ladies and gentlemen. The Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. Go to MichelleMission.com, and that's where you can subscribe to our newsletter. As well as if you are a listener of ours on Spotify, now what you can do on Spotify is you can actually give your favorite podcasts stars and a rating. So if you listen to the Michelle Mission on Spotify, please feel free. Hit us up with five stars on Spotify because it looks really great and it helps people find the show. Okay? All right. All right. All right. You ready, Vincent? Always. Because I dug deep for this if one. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. What yeah. you got? I am right. All right. All right. So Woo! we're going to play Six Degrees of Derville Martin. Six of Derville Martin. Vincent. Yes, sir. Who do I have to get to in six connections or less from, from the thespian Derville Martin? Get your butt to Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, that's easy. Derville Martin is in um, Dolomite. Mm -hmm. Rudy Ray Moore. Rudy Ray Moore is in the Monkey Hustle with Yafet Koto. Yafet Koto is an alien with Harry Dean Stanton. Oh man! <laughs> Boom! Oh man, that was a uh... boom. You like how I use? I, I've been trying to use Rudy Ray Moore. Like that's my Rudy. I've been trying to figure out how to use Rudy Ray Moore in yeah, there. Yeah. Like, like I know you think I'm leaning on Sidney Poitier, mm -hmm. but I said, you know what? I bet I can use Rudy Ray Moore more than I use Rudy Ray Moore. 
And I did just now. You did. You did. Well, anticipating that you were going to <laughs> blow it out the water mm-hmm. with Harry Dean Stanton, mm-hmm. I come prepared. Okay. With another. Another. Another one. Yes. Who you got? So, Vincent. Yes. Using only movies. Oh, oh, only movies. Yes. I see you've put that caveat in there, which means that you're going to go to someone who usually is on television. And that would be who? Get from Dervell Martin. In six moves or less to? Grandpa Al Lewis. Oh. Grandpa. Well, you know, this is one of those cases where where I, I just don't know what movie he was in. Oh, really? You don't? No, 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 no Lynn. <laughs> I don't know who Grandpa, the grandfather from the Munsters, what movie he was in. I'm sure he had a long, distinguished career as like the fifth built dude in some movies in the 40s. Can you, can you give me two movies he was in? Okay. That I would recognize. Oh, well, now you, now you want to be particular. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah, <laughs> give me two movies he was in. Come on. Okay. All right. All right. He. <laughs> movies that you. I were... didn't even know that was his name. <laughs> you didn't know that was his name? How would I have known that is his name? The credit comes up every time you watch The Monsters. <sighs> I knew his name was Al Lewis. I, I know you did. Okay. What was he in? I'll give you two movies. Two movies he was in. Okay. Because right, we'll, we'll, I'm not going to give you the movie that you could get to. All right. Well, well, give me one movie, and then if I can't use that one, all right, I'll use another movie. He was in Munster Go Home. The Munsters movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, okay, okay, okay. That's not fair. So he was. <laughs> Wait a minute, because the dude, what's his name that plays the Frankenstein? Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. Was Fred Gwynn in A Few Good Men? No. What was Fred Gwynn in that I'm thinking about? Like he, he was, was in, in something um, in the 80s. He was in cousin, My Cousin Vinny. Was he in My Cousin Vinny? Yes, he's the judge. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. He's in My Cousin Vinny. In which case... Al, Al, he was also in. No, no, I'll give you. A movie uh, no, no, that you I don't. Know. I don't need. I can. I can work with this. Okay, I can work with this. Derville Martin is in Uptown Saturday Night. No, I'm sorry. No, he's not in Uptown. Derville Martin is 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 is, and guess who's coming together? Guess guess who's coming to dinner mm-hmm. with Sidney Poitier? Okay. Sydney Portier is in Uptown Saturday Night with Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor is in which which way is up with uh, Margaret Avery. Okay. So I'm at three. Okay. Margaret Avery is in the color purple. With Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. Danny Glover is in Lethal Weapon 2 or 3 with Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is in My Cousin Vinny with Fred Gwynn. Okay, well, so I'm right at six. Okay, but we're not going to Fred Gwynn. 
We're going now. Oh, we're going now. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, so I was one. Okay. Right, 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 right. Okay. Okay. I'm still working. Okay. All right. I'm with you. All right. So this is how I'm going. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Ah, so I got to get to Joe Pesci quicker, mm-hmm. which I know I can. Oh! <laughs> you scared the hell out oh. of me. <laughs> Devril Martin is in um, Five on a Black Hand Side mm-hmm. with Dick Anthony Williams. Okay. Dick Anthony Williams is in Mo. Sorry, I got to use it. Mo Better Blues. With Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson is in Goodfellas with Joe Pesci. Mm-hmm. Joe Pesci is in My Cousin Vinny mm-hmm. with Fred Gwynn. Right. Who's in the Munster movie with Al Lewis. <laughs> okay. So there's five. Okay. All right. All right. All right. What was the other movie? What was the movie that you said uh, you could use? I would have got to him quick. I mean, I, I, you know, I won. <laughs> But at this point, I'm trying to not use Mo Better Blues, and I'm trying to do like through, like I'm just trying to be fancy now. I know I it's know. like when the Brazilian soccer team wins, mm-hmm. but they want to win pretty. Yes, like obviously I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. I just want to win pretty. Yes. So what movie were you going to use that I'd get to them super quick? The Final Come Down. That's what it is. Are you in this Final Come Down that you've never seen? No, and I haven't seen. I don't know how long. I've never seen it. I didn't know Raymond St. John. No, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Right, because that's Billy D. Williams. That's not the movie. Yeah, that's what it's uh Black Like Me. He's in Black Like Me. Dilvo Martin is in Black Like Me? Yeah, I know, right? Uh he's in Black Raymond St. Jock is in Black Like Me. Yeah. Actually kind of remember Raymond St. Jock, but okay. Dervo Martin's in in Black Like Me with Raymond St. Jock. Okay. Who is in uh Comeback Charleston Blue right. with Philip Michael Thomas, who is in Coonskin. Philip Michael Thomas is not in Comeback Charleston Blue. Yes, he is. He plays the minister. He it, who is in Coonskin right. with Al Lewis. Al Lewis is in Coonskin. Interesting. Yeah. I don't remember that. Me neither. <laughs> just look I was it. keeping Coonskin in my back pocket to get to Scatman Crothers. Scatman Crothers, yeah, right. right. Yeah, like I, at some point, I would, I knew I was going to get to Coonskin. Yeah, because I was trying. I knew Philip Michael Thomas could be useful. Yeah, uh, Damon, your brother. Yes. Who, to be fair, is googling. Yes. So let's not think that he's, yes, yeah. you know, yes, like yes. regurgitating this stuff. Says Grandpa Al Lewis. He knew who he was. To Fred McMurray, to Marissa Tomei, Glenn Turman, and Durham Martin. Well, yeah, I can name six names. You got to say the movies. Yes. You got to say the movies, man. Yes. Um, so, so yes, Al Lewis. Al Lewis. Yeah. yeah. So, well done, though. Well, thank you. I, I didn't think you'd get there at all. I mean, you know. But you were. If you, you give me a movie, I can. Well, yeah, I can be. Try and work with it. Yeah. You know, I, I do. My weakness is not knowing anything that they're in. <laughs> you found my kryptonite. 
random actor <laughs> who's not known for his movie work. <laughs> Curses. Foiled again. Foiled again. <laughs> By my lack of knowledge about an aspect of his career that no one knows about. <laughs> Tune in next week when Grandpa Monster. When Vince goes from six degrees of Dervo Martin to flow from the progressive commercial. <laughs> right. It's like, but you gotta use movies. <laughs> you gotta use movies. I wonder if she's done a movie. Look up flow from the progressive commercials. Okay. Right now, real time. All right. Let me... Has she ever been in a movie? Flow from progressive. It is, it is pro progressive movies, uh -huh. right? Um let's see. This the actress is Stephanie Co uh, Courtney. Okay. Stephanie Courtney. Don't trust people with two first names, but definitely. <laughs> um she has been in a number of short films. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. She was, oh, <laughs> blinking her, you miss her, in For Your Consideration, which is one of the- um, The Eugene Levy movies. Right. But it's, it's uh, I, I can't think of the guy. Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest, that's it. Uh, she's also in Blades of Glory. Which is a Will Farrell movie. And she was in 2007's The Heartbreak Kid, which I think was a remake of the original mm -hmm. movie. There you go. So those are the films that she does. She's, she's done. Quite you said a she's in Blades of Glory? Mm hmm. But she said she's just playing a reporter. Dick um, Anthony Williams, Samuel Jackson, Megan Good in Eve's Bayou. Mm hmm. Making good to Will Ferrell in Anchorman 2. Making good in Anchorman 2. Mm -hmm. Will Ferrell. To Blades of Glory. To Blades of Glory. Five moves. Boom. Wow. <laughs> now, now you're just putting it on the table. Now I'm just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. Nothing. And you know I can get to everybody in Blazing Saddles through Gene Hackman. Because Richard Pryor, you get to Richard Pryor. You get really to Richard quickly, Pryor. Yeah. And then you get to Gene Hackman. So now I'm everybody in in, in um Blazing Saddles. Gene On, Hackman or Gene Wilder? Gene Wilder. Yeah, I'm about to say. Let's I can get to Gene Hackman too, though. I can get to Gene Hackman. <laughs> I can get to Gene Hackman. Vincent. Vincent. I can get Gene Hackman. Vincent, Vincent, look, don't let Al Lewis go to your head. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Dick Anthony Williams, Denzel Washington, Denzel Washington with Morgan Freeman in Glory, Glory and Unforgiven, Gene Hackman. What's that, four? Is that four? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You happy? I am happy. <laughs> 2022. <laughs> Grandpa Monster. <laughs> It was a good pull. It was a good pull. Don't don't knock it. You know it was a good pull. That's a good pull, Grandpa Lewis. I like that. Anyway, I never really liked the monsters. You are Adam's family guy, of course. Do you know? I actually recently watched a couple of episodes of the Adam's Family. Mm -hmm. 
It's funny. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I'm, I think I am still more of a Munsters guy. But to be honest, they're about as good as that one is. Like you know, Adam's family just had the better pedigree because of the because, cartoons. Because of the cartoons. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, but you know. But you're right. Like, like the Adams family always was like the hipster pick. Yeah. Like, I mean, the people but who the, were too cool for school didn't like the monsters. Yeah, because yeah. the monsters were trying to say something about. I mean, but they, they both were like they They're both, both were just okay. sort of. They were just sort of okay. Like, nothing. I mean, you know, neither of them were breaking down barriers. Right. 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 In their time, I do think the Adams family ages better though. Mm, I guess. I I don't know. <laughs> you just you just know how to energy to I don't. You know, you just... <laughs> hey man, I feel you. There are it's like some things like I just don't have the energy to argue about this. Yeah. yeah. You know how you feel sometimes when I go off on my yeah. you just sit there looking at me. Huh? Grandpa Munster. I like grandpa. Yeah. You know, see now I he stays prevalent in my mind. Because in the 80s, he was a recurring guest on the Howard Stern show. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So you always go to the strip clubs with him. And and he was friends with Larry Flint for Hustler. Was he real? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Grandpa Lewis, was, he was out there, man. <laughs> he said he'd be out there with his little bolero tie, man, and, and cowboy hat. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Real rap. And he just called him Grandpa because you couldn't call him, like, Dracula or anything like that, so because <laughs> he didn't have the rights, you know, it's kind of you like, probably couldn't call him Grandpa Munster. No, you just called him Grandpa Al Lewis. They just yeah. called him Grandpa Al right, Lewis. That's right. what they called him. Ain't know? nobody trying to get sued by the Munsters. No, 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 no. They ain't going Clayton Moore him. Hell no. All right. Well, you're not going to explain that to people. Clayton Moore. Yeah, you like you just you just going to drop. <laughs> A reference. You're just going to drop a reference to something that happened. I mean, was that the 50s? I mean, it wasn't. Well, it happened actually in the in the 80s. Well, Clayton Moore uh-huh. was uh, uh, for those who don't know, which know. is everyone. <laughs> you know. I mean, I know because my nerd goes almost <laughs> as deep as yours. Clayton Moore in the 50s uh-huh. was television's Lone Ranger. Yes, he played the Lone Ranger. He played okay. The Lone Ranger from black and white all the way into color. Okay. Um, I actually voiced him on some cartoons, I believe. But uh and then would Those do filmation joints? Was that his voice? Maybe maybe it wasn't him. Whatever. He was the Lone Ranger. Yes. He was the, he was the face of the Lone Ranger. So much so that even after the show went off the air, he would still appear as the Lone Ranger. All over the place at public appearances, like, like, right? Like car dealership openings, exactly. And, and you know, because this was really before cons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like he'd actually just be out and about. Yeah, and he, he was opening, you know, like yeah. ribbon cutting. Yeah, I was about to say the ribbon cut. Right, right. Until until like about the late seventies, eighties, mm-hmm. when and I think this may have been right. No, it may have actually been the nineties because I think it was around the time. I thought it was connected to the movie. It was. That this all but went I, down. That's that right. Been but, it was, but it was, yeah, because it wasn't, I, I was mixing it. It's not the Johnny Depp Long Ranger. It's the 80s right, the Long 80s Ranger. With, um, that wasn't Army Hammer. No, 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 no. It was, no. It's, um, it's like some no-name. Right, right, right. But remember, his career was was like 
you know, sort of stillborn. Yeah, because of the, the Lone, Lone Ranger, Ranger stuff. right? Yeah, but go it, ahead, yeah. go ahead. So the eighties, they were dropping he, Clayton. He's not going to get Clayton more. I'm like, I know this Negro in the eighty, in the eighties, in the eighties, in the, the, the height of like superherodom. So that's right. why I didn't want to do this right, big right. Lone Ranger movie. So they they basically said to kind of like stop confusion the the powers that be said that clayton moore could no longer appear as the lone ranger right at these public appearances but as you said he had been doing it for like he'd been doing it for years at this, this point almost 30 years because yeah. uh-huh. the show went off in the 60s right so like he was like like this was his bread and butter right so what he did <laughs> was he said, "Okay, I can't wear the paraphernalia anymore." Right. So, he, which is really just a blue shirt. So he bought a, a nondescript blue shirt. Right. Uh, they couldn't say anything about cowboy hat, so he wore distinctly like a a white hat, cowboy hat mm-hmm. that just wasn't the Lone Ranger. Right. So it looked slightly different. Right. And because he couldn't wear a mask, he wore these huge, <laughs> huge sunglasses. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like like the like the big old people sunglasses right, right, that like right right like you wear for eclipses yes that's what he wore uh huh and he would just go out as Clayton Moore your favorite ranger yes and he would continue making his money and I think they ultimately I think they came to an agreement they came to because an agreement the, the PR around <laughs> it was he got shamed yeah. and this was before the days of internet yeah and this was on the news everywhere look the only look the only reason that we knew about it yeah is cuz it was on the news yep. yep so yeah you just reference like <laughs> like I know people just, you know, it's like all the nerd stuff is mainstream now. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm a geek. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah, a nerd. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. a geek. Yeah. And I tell people, oh, yeah, okay. You know, like, I'm, I'm like, I've never been a gatekeeper guy. Like, you know, you need to know this. And, mm-hmm. and, but understand, it's levels to this thing. That's very true. That's very true. Lynn is deep, deep, <laughs> deep, deep nerded up. So, like when you said Clayton Moore, I said I know he is not referencing the legal case <laughs> against the actor who portrayed the Lone Ranger, formerly known as the Lone Ranger, from 1983. <laughs> just off the cuff, just off the cuff, just leaving oh, it oh, out there. Oh, he didn't want to get Clayton Moore. Now then, moving on, we'll be talking about. I said. Did he just reference Clayton Moore? <laughs> and now you know yeah. the rest of the story. Of the story. There you go. Uh, Farrell Blackwell has a true confession that until he became an adult, he really didn't know the difference between the Munsters and the Adams family. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. A lot of people don't know the right. difference. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, think that the, like, the the Dracula and Frankenstein and Wolfman and all of them are referenced on the Adams family and they're not. Right. They're never referenced yeah. on the oh, Adams yeah. family. Oh yeah. I didn't know that the Adams family was based on Charles Adams cartoons. When you were younger. Until I was probably 1920 and found like a collection of them somewhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I knew it because I was a comic strip guy. So well, and again, there are levels to this thing. <laughs> There are a few people that I acknowledge 
<laughs> yeah, his ass is actually nerdier than I am. You were one of the few people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Clayton Moore. <laughs> Daryl Battle says that he wore blue blockers. The last time that he was on TV, TV actually was a episode of Highway to Heaven with Michael oh. Landon. No, there you go. I bet he didn't wear that mask though. No, he didn't. <laughs> No, he didn't. And George Kimona, going back to Grandpa Al Lewis, says that Grandpa Al Lewis also hung tight with one Ron Jeremy. Oh, so he was just... I told you, man. He was just... He got he got in. He got in. Oh, I hope anybody who shook his hand had some hand sanitizer <laughs> afterwards. Like, everybody you just named, like, I wouldn't drink a soda after him. He would, he would be on Howard Stern and every time, you know, Howard Stern in the 80s is famous for naked women running around and you just hear uh, Grandpa Lewis on the microphone. Yeah! 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 <laughs> That's just nasty. <laughs> Alright, let's get into it. Alright, let's go. Let's go. We went down this nerd well. <laughs> I mean, you're over there talking about Grandpa Munster and Clayton Moore. <laughs> Um, all right. All right. <clears throat> Let's get into our review. Yes. What movie are we reviewing? Uh Juice. Juice. I seriously forgot. <laughs> we'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Did names like Mustafa and Akbar become too hard to spell? Oh, well, I'm serious now. Well, I'm serious too, Raheem, and this does not make you a man. I should have let you have her. Don't you remember? I let you have her. Almost empty. We run from the cops. We run from the security guards. Like I'm on the damn track team. If you want respect, you gotta earn it. You gotta be ready to throw down. Stand up and die for that stuff if you want to, Juice. Check this out. It's gonna be a piece of cake, Q. Yeah, man, it'll be a piece of cake. We go in, right before 11, get the loot, jet. I got a DJ Saturday night, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to miss that for nobody. Q! I hold on to the gun. Why should he hold on to the gun? Because I already got it!
Juice, a 1992 American crime thriller film directed by Ernest R. Dickerson, written by Dickerson and Gerard Brown, and stars Omar Epps, Tupac Shakur, Jermaine Hopkins, and Khalil Kane. The film is the writing and directing debut of Dickerson and features Tupac Shakur's acting debut. The film touches on the lives of four Black youths growing up in Harlem, following their day-to-day activities, their struggles with police harassment, rival neighborhood gangs, and their families. The film was shot in New York, primarily in the Harlem area in 1991. And from 1992, it is Vincent's selection for Today's stop on the road to 300 here on the Me Show Mission. Vincent, what say you of juice? It kind of seems like it goes without saying, but I'm really glad that we were doing this movie. I thought this was an an interesting exercise Hmm. for us to look at, like a movie that has become maybe a cut above a cult classic. Yeah, like it's it really is a black a black classic. It, it's it's an iconic performance mm-hmm. by Tupac Shakur, if no one else in the film. But it's a really interesting film to kind of dissect and look at. It's an hour and thirty five minutes. Yep, tight. It's a tight hour and thirty five, or, or rather, the time span is tight as you said it's the writing debut and the directing debut of um ernest dickerson mm-hmm. and there are some nice parts like just as as parts of a film there are some nice parts i think obviously you start with the cast mm-hmm. like this cast a lot i mean you know let's take tupac out of this conversation right now put him aside for the moment big fan of khalil khan okay kane we, we Kane, talk, yeah, yeah, Khalil Kane. Kane. We've talked about him before in Love Jones, mm-hmm. which, which I love him in Love Jones. He was uh, a recurring character on Girlfriends for its entire run, the, the television show Girlfriends, mm-hmm. and I like him. I like him as an actor. A lot of charisma, a lot of presence. You see this in this film. Last time we talked about Jermaine Hopkins, who plays. Um, Steel was in Lean on Me. Mm-hmm. Another one kind of plays this role, this kind of jovial kid. He's kind of the the, the comic relief of the group mm-hmm. of these four boys, and then of course Omar Epps, which which just to 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 reference Tupac a moment, I think the greatest thing you can say about Omar Epps in this film is that he's not completely swallowed by Tupac. Right. Every time he's on the screen. Have some great moments. Samuel Jackson is in here for two or three scenes and he's fantastic. Queen Latifah is in here for a moment. Mm -hmm. And these, you know, 1991, you could say, oh, I kind of like them. Yeah. Like, like they kind of pop a little. I like to see more from them. Mm -hmm. The storyline of these four boys who are just kind of together and, and getting in the, for the most part, low-level hijinks. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting in this hour and 35-minute film, for one-third of it, I'm not 
going to say the plot meanders, but it kind of wanders around. Like Ernest Dickerson really takes his time mm-hmm. building this world. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go from moment to moment. And like I said, I don't want to use the word meander because I think that has a negative connotation. Yeah, you did say it. But it does kind of wander around. But films that I like a lot, you can say the same thing. I, I think our beloved Cooley High. I don't know if Cooley High has a plot. It's yeah. sort of the it whole kind of movie. like stumbles into a plot. Right. It's the whole the whole movie is like this. Yeah. The learning tree. Mm-hmm. The same thing. So I don't think a film has to have this very linear A to B to C plot mm-hmm. for it to succeed. Mm-hmm. And Ernest Dickerson really does kind of let this film breathe and, and you get these nice touches of, of, about this um community and this place like mm-hmm. you get this real sense of place minute 40 the gun shows up and reading about this film Ernest Dickerson talks about how he has had this idea for this movie he had it for decades mm-hmm. before he made this movie and he pulled a lot of stories from people that he knew and his own upbringing And one of the interesting things to me about this movie set in 1991 is it has this older film feel to it. Yeah. The way it talks about the gun, like it is a gun Mm -hmm. and this gun changes everything. Mm -hmm. And it really does feel like a plot point from a film from the fifties or sixties. Like, like, you know, someone was just talking about on the waterfront or, 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 you know, rebel without a pause. Like you think about those old fifties or sixties films where there's a gun, mm-hmm. which when you consider this is the nineties where it seems like everybody had 15,000 guns and everybody shooting. I got a Uzi and I got a rocket launcher and I got a nuclear missile. And, but you know, this is a gun mm-hmm. that changes everything. And the thing that I liked about the introduction of the gun The gun is introduced at moment 40, at minute 40. Minute 50? 10 minutes after Khalil Kane's character, Raheem, introduces the gun, things have gone completely off the rails with this gun. And it's almost like the film transforms. Mm -hmm. And it gets really sharp. And this is, you know, coincidentally, not coincidentally, but appropriately, when Tupac Shakur just, just, just blossoms. Mm-hmm. I think it was interesting. You know, I, I, I was watching it today and I was kind of taking notes and I was like, okay, you know, Tupac is good. You know, the first half hour or so. And, 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 I, you know, I like the, 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 the broad strokes and the characterization and you see him in his home life and everything going on with his father and he lives with his grandmother. Okay. But once he gets the gun and Bishop basically becomes larger than life, Mm -hmm. you completely understand how Tupac Shakur catapulted into this status Mm -hmm. from this performance. And part of the reason that I like that we're talking about this film now 
is that this is the third Ernest Dickerson film we've talked about. We talked about Bones mm-hmm. and we talked about Demon Knight. Mm-hmm. Both of those are horror films. And there's a bit of that in here. A bit. Like the way he he kind of he he frames the shots, the way he follows Bishop, there's a beautiful moment where 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 Omar Epps' character Q is basically avoiding Bishop. And he goes to school and he closes the locker. Mm-hmm. And Bishop is just there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he might as well be Candyman. Yeah. You know, the way he stalks these streets, he's on the rooftop. And I love that. Like, I love the way the film shifts into that. Ernest Dickerson's direction, I think, again, I think the first half hour or so, it's okay. Like, you know, he knows what he's doing. This is clearly somebody who has had some skill and knows about establishment of place. But boy, once the gun is introduced, the sequence where Q is going to the 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 the, the DJ battle, mm-hmm. and it's almost this Spike Lee frame, you know, sequence with him the um the the like the steady the, the steady cam shot, yeah, yeah. Again, the sequence in the alleys mm-hmm. where Bishop is almost stalking them. Mm-hmm. All of this he like just comes alive so that it's almost like a journey through the film Mm -hmm. so that by the end you, you know, you realize, okay, yeah, we got something happening here. Can you, can you, and you know, there are parts of the film that, that, that you can, can say needed more development. Of course, again, it's only an hour and 35 minutes. I enjoy the 40 minutes of the establishment of place. And then, you know, you kind of have these kind of moments, but arguably you could get to it a little quicker. Yeah. There's this whole side plot with Q who's in high school and he's dating Cindy from in Vogue. Who's playing a nurse. Yes. That is distracting. Because no one ever really addresses it. In interviews, Ernest Dickerson says this is based on on an anecdote from one of his friends. And, you know, frankly, I'm not going to say it's unrealistic because it was always that dude. Yeah. Like, it was always that dude who was operating on that level. Yeah. But in a film that, again, like you said, it's a tight film. This is an hour and 35 minutes. I felt like every moment he was there with her was a moment that could have been spent better in other aspects of this film. Yeah, yeah, I I, I see that. But regardless, when, when the film is over, I, I think you understand why it holds the reverence that it holds. And you understand why when we talk about now the legend mm-hmm. of Tupac Shakur, mm-hmm. you come back to Juice. Well... Bree Bree 517 gave us another reason why this movie has the status that it, it has. Because according to her, uh, fine-ass young Omar Epps on this episode, <laughs> we're already starting off the year sexy. Well, there you go. So there you go. Um, yeah, I thought, first of all, in regards to the shot that you mentioned of Q 
returning to the DJ battle and it being a la Spike Lee with the steady cam, right? Now, we haven't mentioned it, but Ernest Dickerson, this is his writing and directing debut. Up until now, he has been Spike Lee's cinematographer mm -hmm. on all of his movies, right? Before uh, he does Juice, which means that he is the person who, who was responsible for making this vision of Spike Lee's, the Steadicam, you know, move that he pretty much has had in every movie ever since, um, a thing. Mm -hmm. Actually making it, you know, developing it and making it happen in the films. And for all we know, because how close he is with Spike Lee, he may have been the person to give the idea to Spike Lee. Right. You know? My problem with that shot in every Spike Lee movie has been that almost every time I've seen it, it's just for show. Mm -hmm. Just a, it's a because now you've almost expected, right? What I liked about Ernest Dickerson using it, it felt intentional. It felt it felt like it it added to the storytelling because. He, you could tell that Omar Epps was like kind of like on this like steady thing with every with the camera and everything moving around him, but it helped put you in his mindset. It helped tell you what he was going through at that time as his head was spinning over all of the the actions that were whirling around, and it 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 added and heightened the tension of the moment so it felt purposeful and i loved it and that's why it stood out that much more to me because like this is the way you're supposed to do mm -hmm. this shot this is what you're supposed to do if it's supposed to add something not just be this little stupid flourish that you put on so uh i really did appreciate that the other thing and someone is, is even mentioned it i think it's uh george Cremona. Uh, no, no, no. Farrell Blackwell mentions that the gun is like the ring from Lord of the Ring. It changes the person that possesses it. What I liked about that introduction of the gun is up until then, despite all of the forces that were around them, these were just four kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they were teenagers. And so they were cutting school. They were doing some knucklehead things that they weren't supposed to do. But for the most part, they were not going to have kids. They were going over to their friend's house to eat some some bacon, beer, and egg <laughs> concoction that they were yes. making, making up for everybody. They were sitting there watching old James Cagney movies, for God's sake, right? So they were just dumb kids who were, you know, just, just silly enough to be about the streets but smart enough to know what line not to cross, mm -hmm. right? And once the gun gets introduced, the line is crossed. The, the, the one thing that I will say that is missing from this movie is the scene where uh, Khalil Kane's character, which is Raheem, Raheem, the scene where Raheem is talked into actually pulling off the robbery because mm -hmm. the robbery is Tupac's idea. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And Tupac from the beginning is shown that there's, he's like, he's, he's, a, he's a little screwy. Like he doesn't well, like he's people. Troubled. He's troubled. He doesn't mm-hmm. like, because, because of, you know, you see his father's dealing with some type of mental issues. That's not, not spoken of, but it definitely is displayed. Mm-hmm. Um, And you can imagine that there might be some thought of hereditary heredity and of that into in Tupac's character because the way that he is definitely dealing with some anger issues um and uh doesn't like being pushed around and stuff like that um and he sees this them you know robbing this grocery store as them making their big move right right and it is really uh, Q and Steel, you could sense that they're kind of like the young boys of the crew, right? And they're like, you're like, yeah, we, we're going along with whatever you and, and Raheem say. Raheem is the guy that's keeping them steady. He's like, no, we don't, we don't do that. That's not us. Mm-hmm. You know, we do dumb knucklehead stuff, but we don't do that, man. Um, but the next thing you know, Raheem is calling a meeting. And yo, this is what we're going to do. We need to see to see where did Raheem make the leap, make that leap, Mm -hmm. right? Because that is totally not in character with the Raheem that we've seen the whole time. Now, can you, is it possible that Raheem, because we see that he's, if not older than the guys, definitely is done a little bit more growing up than the guys because he's a he's a baby daddy Mm -hmm. um and he's got some issues with that with with his his his, uh child's mother and you know he has the unfortunate you know the circumstance to see his child and his child's mother drive off with special ed that's got to sting. That's got to sting That's got to sting and and it's not just drive off with special ed special ed is dapping up dude for getting his car like here's a tip so i got extra dough to tip you he got a frog he got a dog with a solid gold bone yeah i'm saying so like kind of fond of honda scooters (laughs) got 74 (laughs) okay all right so so if you want to say that he makes that leap because he feels like this is going to be his way to do for his kid. Maybe, but we don't see that. Right. They don't, they don't really, you're not led to believe that that's it. You know what I mean? So that's the scene that that's, that's missing from, from this film. Um, but that notwithstanding, you know, you got there, you got to the, you got to the crime and it's interesting, like that gun, it does change everything. And this is the road where uh Bishop goes left. This is where, this is, this is what separates Bishop from not only just his boys, this is what separates Bishop from the gang that is chasing him. Right. Cause the gang that is chasing him, it's just glorified jets from West side story. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're, you know, they're just walking around. I mean, yeah, Tretch is looking tough, yeah. but he ain't doing nothing. Yeah. You know, um, he's basically like, they're holding him back. Tretch, you know, 
quite as kept treacherous, man, because the story goes, he went with Tupac to the audition yeah. for the role. Yeah. And Tupac said, well, I'm here. Yeah. Sure, I'll read. And next thing you know, he gets the role that Treacher was going for. It's just like in Fame, where Leroy got into the school with it's, that girl. Exactly. And then she was in the hallway sad. I didn't even want to go to this funky ass. Treach is the girl in the hallway Tretch sad. The girl in the hallway from Fame. Who couldn't dance. Remember how she danced? Yeah, dude, she, it's so funny. I was actually doing a dramatic reenactment <laughs> of her dance. Like literally three days ago in my kitchen. Because I think about her sometimes. Yeah. And it makes me sad. Yeah. Because when she says, I ain't even want to go to this funky-ass school, she did want to go to that funky-ass school. And Tretch wanted to be Bishop. And Tretch wanted to be Bishop. He did want to be Bishop. Yeah. So the next time you watch Fame, just paste Tretch's face. Imagine Tretch. Over the girl's face. Remember she had on like some clown shoes? <laughs> like she had on the clown shoes. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Enough of the tangent. So anyway... <laughs> And in for the red light, <laughs> hot light, because Leroy had on some itty bitty shorts. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, so it's interesting that the when that gun introduced, because like I said, that gang that is chasing Tupac, mm-hmm. you don't have a sense that they they're out there robbing places. I mean, maybe they are, but you don't right. you don't get that sense. You get that sense that basically just like the tough guys in school. You know, one of them's got a switchblade. I was about to say, they don't have a gun. Yeah. Like, there's one gun. Yeah, and it's only one gun in the entire movie. Right. And I, even then, it's a, it's a, well. I mean, it, right, their man who holds up the bar well, and well, goes down. But Yeah, and then, it, and, but, right, in the ecosystem of these kids. It's just this one Saturday, right. Saturday night special. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's interesting that that's where his character takes that turn. That's where his character just, the 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 switch flips and he's gone mm-hmm. right um now you're right tupac is absolutely magnetic in this movie the shame of it is, is that he's magnetic but he's also very because this is his acting debut he's very big mm-hmm. in this movie like i think if tupac a more seasoned tupac looks at this this performance and it's like I probably could have dialed it back a couple couple of these scenes here because he a couple of scenes like he's at 10 like he comes in at 10 there's no place else to go right right, right. which unfortunately leaves some of the other characters when they're in scenes with him nothing to do but just play opposite that energy now Omar Epps is good playing opposite that energy but Omar Epps who is you know, at this time, I think he's 17, 18 years yeah, he's old. He's really young. Too. He's not the actor that he will become. So it's, you're right. It's a, a a compliment to him that he is not swallowed up by Tupac. But then he is sometimes a little swallowed up by Tupac because it is, it's, it, it's Tupac. There's only one scene where one person is not swallowed up by Tupac. And that's where Tupac goes to Samuel Jackson's pool hall. Mm hmm. And starts kicking this BS yeah. about what Q was up to and everything like that. And Sam Jackson is just standing there and is just listening to him. And it's all on his face. And it's all on his face like this dude is kicking some bullion. And, it, and his expression never changes, mm-hmm. right? And I said, I don't know whether or not this is an acting choice of Sam Jackson's or this is just expert editing by, you know, Ernest Dickerson. But that 
is how you play against that against that energy. And 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 it speaks to Samuel Jackson, of yeah. course. It, it probably is his choice. He knows what to do, and he yeah. and he makes the most of it. Um, which is a shame because I think in the beginning of the film, you're meant to kind of like feel this rivalry between Bishop and Raheem. And it it just doesn't work because I don't think Khalil Kane is can match right Bishop in this. And and he is the only char- character who gets a little raw as much raw as Bishop and it just doesn't it, 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 it's just not the same it's, it's just not the same energy it just, mm-hmm. uh, just doesn't work um, but this is it, it's a it's a it's a, a tight movie it does meander a little bit to use your word but I, I kind of like like it because it that is what life is mm-hmm. you're kind of just going getting through the day you know what I mean? Um, it didn't ring true to me that this crew, as tight as they were, despite Bishop's hangup, weren't more excited about their bull wanting to be a DJ. Like, if nothing else, that means you're going to be carrying the crates. Right. That means you're going to be at all the parties. Yeah. You know, that's the only that, that was the only one false note that they all were just like, like, why would you even want to do that? Like, that didn't ring didn't ring for me but um i didn't mind it i love that omar epps was able to show his other side outside of the shadow of tupac when he was at home Mm -hmm. when he was at home playing with his little brother i thought that was a great scene fantastic scene the scene of him djing Mm -hmm. so expertly done so beautiful like with him turning on a light and then he's practicing his DJ and mom comes in looking at him. You know, she's proud. She's not going to tell him to go to bed, even though it's like two o'clock in the morning. I don't get all this music going. And then he turns off the lights. It's a beautiful scene. Beautiful scene. Beautiful. There's a lot of smart touches in mm-hmm. here. Things where you can see the Ernest Dickerson that's just been waiting to like pull out of his quiver. The things that he wanted to do when he got a chance at, at that as a director. Um, and I think he, I think he pulls it off very well. It's a, it's a smart film, and it, and it holds up despite it being 30, 40 years old. It holds up very well. Yeah, yeah. To your point, just to circle back, I love the small moments. Mm-hmm. That moment with his little brother, mm-hmm. which doesn't really do much. You know, it's just a moment. I yep. love that moment. I love the opening sequence where it shows their their, their rituals. Mm-hmm as they get up for the morning. I think you're right. Tupac is big yeah, for the vast majority of the film. But there's that one moment at the beginning where he slips the money into his father's pocket. Right. That I love. I love I love uh, the fact that when, when, when Q goes to buy a gun from Sweets, played by Ernest Dickerson's mother, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And you can tell, like, you know everything you need to know about Sweets being this sort of old-time hustler, mm-hmm. old-time, you know, underworld figure, if you will. And I love the fact that Sweets knows exactly who Q is and tells him to tell his mother that Jackie said hi. That's right. Because his mother knows her by her government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love everything about Sam Samuel Jackson's character. I love this kind of... This kind of ad hoc yeah, uh, trip. 
arcade mm-hmm. that he has set up. I, I love, you know, I love the fact that he knows everything going on before everyone is supposed to know. So that kind of built the world out. Yeah. You know, yeah. It kind of builds the world, the, the world out. And then, you know, like you said, I think it does hold up. Yeah. I think it, it holds up really well. And again, back to the way the gun is treated there is almost a timelessness to it. I, th- I think a lot of these films from the early nineties where again, it, apparently, you, you know, guns just don't run out of bullets. Everybody, yeah. like everybody <laughs> got nons, like, like how everybody got a non, like I love the economics of this gun. Like you got the sense that when Raheem went and bought the gun, mm-hmm. this was a purchase mm-hmm. so that when Q also wants to buy a gun he done had a money for it right and it we're gonna keep saying it it's a gun yeah like everybody don't have a gun it yeah. is one gun and like you said it's a saturday night special like anybody got a desert eagle and you know all this grand theft auto artillery right but that's all it takes uh sharon eldridge everything sharon eldridge is in the chat saying that she loves um samuel jackson's character trip except him hitting on underage girls. Yikes. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible, but but the dude who runs the ad hoc candy store arcade mm-hmm. little shop out of his house, mm-hmm. that guy's always a little sketchy. He's always a little sketchy. He's a and, little sketchy. And, and, and two, it's uh, two, you know, you know, um, to speak well of the film, you don't see him get with any of the girls. No, no. You know, so the, the girls right. rebuff him. Right, right. You, you know? know what's on his mind, but yeah. Yeah. Now, what the film doesn't explain, as you you mentioned, why <laughs> is Cindy Heron, mm-hmm. Cindy from In Vogue. Cindy believe, from In Vogue. I think that's her, her name, actually. Cindy from In Vogue. That is her, that is her name. Cindy from In Vogue. As Yolanda, mm-hmm. the nurse, yes, in this movie, the grown ass nurse, the getting a divorce nurse, yes. Why is she bumping uglies with seventeen year old Omar Epps? Mm-hmm. And before Bree Bree five seventeen chimes in, I know why you would be bumping uglies with seventeen year old Omar Epps. But in a movie, why is this nurse who? I think we're led to believe is at least legal. So I mean, she's, she's a least, nurse. She's, so she's getting got a, divorced. She's in her late twenties at well, least. I'm going to say mid twenties. Yeah, I'm going to say she's the, the least between twenty two and twenty six years old. Okay. Okay. I think that safe to say that that's what she's playing. Yes. Why is she with this seventeen year old wannabe <sighs> DJ? You never knew dudes like that. No, 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 no. Now, I've known guys who've. Yes, I've known guys who've done that. Like they're like, they're like a quantum leap past everyone else. Yes. Like at least she's divorced. Yeah, but. Uh, 
that's the story i would that's that's the other scene that i want i want i want to see what the kind of see like because there's no chemistry at least if there was chemistry there okay but there's no chemistry between the two of them i don't even mind the plot point so much as i mind the fact that it's just not enough room in the film for it for it yeah and it doesn't enhance the story at all no, it, it doesn't do anything it's, except to give her to be the nurse at the end of the movie when Steele is brought to the hospital. Right, but but I mean, I mean, it didn't have to be. That right. could have been anyone. That could have been anyone. Any cat that quite as kept. It could have and should have been Raheem's sister. Right, Raheem's sister could have been the nurse. Yes, you know, because when she pipes, she's in two scenes, and when she pipes up in the second scene. I totally forgot about her from the first scene. Right, right. So the first scene's at the very beginning of the movie. A, a, again, a great scene. You know? Tells you about the family dynamic and everything. Yeah, it's a weird plot point that has been weird to me ever since I've seen it. Yeah. Now, I'm not mad that Cindy Heron did not stick with acting. She wasn't... She was not... She was not the strongest performer in no, this film. No, she was not. I heard you say they didn't have chemistry, but I thought part of the reason they didn't have chemistry is, I don't know if Cindy Heron really realized what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> what was the film with Harry Belafonte and Dorothy Dandridge where he played, like, a teacher? It was, I think it may have been his first film. Oh. Um, with the little boy that could control bees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't remember. And it was the same thing where Harry Belafonte, we, we weren't he's quite a, sure that he understood he's in another where movie. The, like where the camera was. <laughs> like, did someone tell him they were making a movie? That's how I felt about Cindy in this movie. It's like, did she think this was going to be a music video? Like, was she looking for the other three girls in, in Vogue? Because she is just sort of yeah. Lost. Yeah. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. Shame. I was a Terry man. I was a Terry man. Well, I was a Dawn man. I like Dawn. Dawn's just sexy. But I, but ultimately, I like... See, I like Terry. Mm-hmm. But to Terry, to me, looked like... Um, oh, now I just drew a blank on her name. Uh, uh, Holly Robinson Pete. Why are you saying that like that's a bad thing? No, 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 no. So I already had Holly Robinson. You already Pete. had Holly Robinson Pete. So I didn't need You didn't Terry. need another Holly Robinson right. Pete. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. That's, so, you know. Say, Holly Robinson Pete was bad. Oh, I mean, Rob- she is bad. Holly yeah. Robinson. Dude, dude. Welcome to Tangents. So, back of my, my, my first radio show, mm-hmm. we were talking about. I think we we're talking about being Bobby Brown. This is how old, long, yes, yes, long yes, ago this yes. was. Mm-hmm. And in talking about it, I found out that that Bobby Brown mm-hmm. had actually at one day at, at least either dated or went out with Holly Robinson. Wow, go before on, she got with right, dude. I was like, no, no. I, I I was I was sick. I was. I mean, you know, shoot I, your shot, brother. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't like the idea of Bobby Brown with my Holly Robinson Pete. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, I can take Rodney Pete. Rodney Pete, you're you're yeah, you're, it's acceptable. Yeah, but not Bobby Brown. No. Yeah. no. I always say you you could tell a lot about a man by which member of In Vogue he liked. So what does it say that I like Dawn? I don't know. 
I just always like to ask, like, who did you? Most people always pick Cindy. No, they don't. I thought Cindy, you know, Cindy was like the cheerleader in the group. I don't like, think, I don't think a lot of people Cindy. pick pick Cindy. I think Cindy. I think was... most people either pick Dawn or 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 um Tracy or Terry. 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 I mean, girlfriends. Yes. Um. Yeah, I don't think anybody. Mm-hmm. Most people pick Cindy. It always seemed like Cindy was the, the one consensus. Group. Is that nobody picks the fourth one? Who? Um. See. <laughs> don't do that don't do that to my girls it starts with an M <laughs> I'm not even going to look it up I'm going to see if you can pull it I can't pull it because I know I know somebody's going to going to shout it in the- I can get to Cindy here and from, with Dermo Martin <laughs> <laughs> Maxine, I thought it was Maxine. I, I, but I was thinking about um living single, and I was like, am I thinking about living single? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. See, George Cremona, Dawn all day. Told you it was Dawn or Terry. Yeah. There you go. So yes, would you recommend that people watch Juice? I would recommend that people watch Juice, not only for Tupac Shakur, but I think it is. This is a really good example of the type of films that they were making in the early nineties, like yeah. this nice solid group of films mm-hmm. that they made. Uh, we haven't mentioned it. The soundtrack, the soundtrack. I'm about to say absolutely bananas. Uptown Anthem, Naughty by Nature, Juice, the title track by Eric B and Rock M. Oh my God. Uh, Teddy Riley and Tammy Lucas, Is It Good to You? Enough Respect, Big Daddy Kane. Yo, you said no, did you say no to Ledge? Yeah, you said Eric B. Rock. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, Juice, no to Ledge, yeah, no to Ledge. Um, Don't Be Afraid, Aaron mm-hmm. Hall. Oh, yeah. Uh, Too Short, So You Want to Be a Gangster. And to me, the, the low key, MVP of this soundtrack, especially for the way that it is used in the movie. Mm-hmm. Shoot 'em up, Cypress Hill. Yeah, when that comes in at the end. Yeah, that is, it's like. First of all, I didn't remember this being in the soundtrack because mm-hmm. to me, I'm thinking Cypress Hill was like a little bit like later, mm-hmm. but like so this is like right prime. This is like beginning of Cypress Hill, right? And it's just a whole nother flavor. It just adds a whole nother like like energy to it. I was like, oh, snack. I remember 91. Like nobody was like no one would say out loud like Big Daddy Kane or Rakim were old. Mm-hmm. But they weren't like, you know, like they weren't the backpack dudes. No, and no. like, you know, they really were 88, 87, 88 dudes. Yeah. But I just remember with the soundtrack, it was like never ever forget. I am Big Daddy Kane, and mm. I am Rock Him. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, you have your Buster Rhymes, and you like, like, like I, I also enjoy the music of of you, you know a tribe called Quest. Mm-hmm. But I am Rock Him. That's right. Never forget that. Know the ledge exactly. So, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I would strongly recommend. I rem- recommend this too because I have a funny feeling this is one of those films that people. Uh, maybe haven't returned to in a long time. Mm-hmm. I know? agree. Um, and I think that it is instructive to see this story play out. This um, a little bit of a celebration of hip hop. 
mm-hmm. as it were, because it's not it's not about the rapping. It's all about the DJing. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one of the rare full-on displays of DJ scratching that you will find in a movie. True. You know, to, I mean, there's a good solid, like, 10 minutes of it in this. Um, so there's that. You've got early Samuel Jackson, early Queen Latifah, you know, in all her Latifahness, <laughs> you know, hats and all. Um, Yelling at flex. How about that? A flex sighting. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's that too. Um, yeah. And, and then not for nothing, like, yeah, everybody kneels down at the altar of Tupac, but Omar Epps does a very good showing of himself in this film mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, I would definitely heartily recommend that people return to Juice and check it out if you haven't watched it in a while. In a while. All right. All right. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week here on the Michaud Mission, I invite you all, each and every one of you, to like and follow us on all the social medias, if you could, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, subscribe on YouTube, at Michaud Mission. Email us all of your thoughts and concerns to Michaud Mission at gmail.com, where we can read your emails right here on the show. And... Go to our website, michellemission.com, where you can hit swag to check out the cool designs and gifts available via TeePublic, including next week. (laughs) For a limited time. For a very limited time. (laughs) Where we debut our new Six Degrees of Dervell Martin uh, material there Mm -hmm. for your buying pleasure. The me show mission is a proud member of the podglomerate podcast network thepodglomerate.com they make podcast work and if you what else do we have here we have to pipe up on i think that is about it so all right next week on the me show mission it's your turn it's my turn vincent it's my turn and next week we are going to be going, we're going back in time a little bit. Okay. Not too far back though. I wouldn't do that to you. Okay. We're only going back six years. Oh, okay. That's it. To 1986. So six years from 1992. Six years from 1992. Okay. All right. Was, yeah. My bad. <laughs> I'm falling through a time warp <laughs> or a time tunnel. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not going to take the bait. No, 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 I'm not taking a bait. Mm-mm. You wanted to though. I did. Cause I heard it. And I was like, <laughs> and don't ask me. Cause I'm not saying it next week. on the Michelle mission, ladies and gentlemen, we journey to 1986 where we will review the unofficial biography Mm. of one Richard Pryor Mm. as we sit down with media critic Bobby Booker. Yay! Returning to the Michelle Mission to review JoJo Dancer, Your Life is Calling. calling. Very nice. Here on the Michaud mission. Very nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Looking forward to sitting down with Bobby. She yeah. is going to be here in studio. Excellent. So it'll be live. It'll be all three of us. All right. Around the bat base, having a good time. All right. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, he's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>